Welcome back to Health Naturally. Dennis Stewart is here. And good afternoon, Margaret from Charlestown. You've got some vertigo for Dennis to fix today. Yes, I have. How are you, Dennis? Hello, Margaret. How are you doing? Not too badly, That's thank you. good, good. I'm just wondering if there's any natural therapy for vertigo. Okay. The first thing I'd say here is vertigo or to... Uh, try to make a little bit more colloquial say say di- dizziness that's not an exact equivalent but it's it's good enough to explain to listeners what we mean by vertigo the thing about vertigo is margaret it it should always be investigated and i presume you've had some investigation on it have you yes i have yes and there's been no uh, no uh, how can i call it no lesions that could explain the vertigo there are no um um, you know, benign lesions anywhere? No. Okay, it's just a functional thing. That's right, yep. Okay. Uh, uh, the other thing I should ask is, are you on any other medication? I'm on blood pressure um, medication. Okay. Is that the only medication you're taking? Um, and I take a Roxin. Oh, okay, the thyroid medication. Okay, yep. look, it, it, it's unlikely, but sometimes uh, blood pressure uh, can move all over the place. Uh, has your doctor investigated the possibility that these vertigo episodes might be associated, say, with a, a drop in your blood pressure or things like that? No, no. Okay. Look, it's always wise to run past your GP uh, things that are in your mind. You, you, the GPs are very competent people, and you would realise that I never put down a, a medical practitioner. They do a damn good job. But sometimes, if you show an interest... In, in your condition and raise things, it stimulates dialogue. And because you're on a blood pressure medication, I would suggest that you raise that issue with your GP. Do you think my blood pressure medication is appropriate? Is the dosage correct? Do you think that my uh, vertigo could be associated with, with episodes when my blood pressure is a little bit low? Look, it probably isn't, but it's worthwhile raising with him. Um, he, he would, uh, I'm sure, be quite happy to discuss that and investigate it further. If all comes up uh, blank, there are two herbs that I would recommend you try. And these herbs, I emphasise, should only be used when any condition like this has been uh, investigated. And you would have heard me mention this over and over again on the program. Self-help is good so long as the condition is clarified and shown to be, how can I call it, not requiring... Um, serious medical treatment or where the medical treatment is not effective. So the two herbs, one of them you may have heard me talk about previously on this program. It's a little gem of a herb, but unfortunately, like many uh, medicinal herbs, as opposed to some of the pop herbs, and you might say, what do you mean by that? I'm saying that some of the herbs that really do work medicinally have a fairly narrow uh, area of benefit and so they do, they're not the sorts of herbs that are constantly before us by the media uh, they're not popular herbs that have glamorous names but they're medicinal herbs uh, that address problems of, of a specific nature and one of those herbs is a well known English herb called wood betony wood betony yeah, B-E-T-O-N-Y the good thing about it is it's a very very safe herb the actual method by which it achieves some benefit in most uh, what we'd call functional 
conditions of vertigo. The actual uh, method, the way it works, like so many of the herbs that we still use, is, is underexplained. It's best referred to as a gentle remedy with a complex chemistry, very safe chemistry, but with a pharmacology that at this stage is not adequately understood to, to explain what older herbalists saw as one of its main indications. There was a very uh, interesting English herbalist called William Smith, and I have great regard for his uh, works and his writings. And in, in a book that I would encourage any listener who's interested in reading uh, about herbs, he wrote a, a, a wonderful book called Wonder in Weeds. Uh, well, it's, a, it's, a, it's an unusual name, and it, it might seem as if it's trivialising uh, herbs. It's not. He's basically saying that the very things that we sometimes refer to as weeds are things that have wonderful therapeutic properties. And I learnt a lot from William Smith's book, Wonders in Weeds, on the herb wood betony. And uh, I would be happy to send you uh, a couple of uh, pages from Smith's book on wood betony if you were to contact my office. So wood betony is number one. The second uh, herb to try, and admittedly it's used much more for tinnitus rather than vertigo, but it's worthwhile giving a go, and that is the more modern preparations of the herb ginkgo biloba. Oh, yes, yes. Ginkgo is very popularly available. Interestingly, even though it is primarily an Asian herb and has been long used in Chinese herbal medicine, it was in fact the work of, of German plant scientists after the Second World War that uh, investigated the potential of the ginkgo leaf and developed a concentrated preparation of the ginkgo known as ginkgo biloba extract and that's the preparation that uh, does some very very good work in circulatory disorders and uh, other conditions uh, such as what we're talking about. So there's a bit of a lead for you, the wood betony and the ginkgo biloba and I could see no reason why um, they wouldn't be safe for you to use. But if you're going down that pathway, uh, enter into the dialogue first with your GP about what I said about yes. blood pressure. And, and with his monitoring you, uh, go to your pharmacist or to your health food store. We've got some great health food stores and pharmacies in Newcastle and get hold of those herbs. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you very much uh, for that, Margaret. Good afternoon, Susan at Renhead, patiently waiting on. Uh, Dennis is ready for you now. Okay, thank you. Hello, Susan. Hello, how are you? I'm well indeed. How are you? Uh, well, <laughs> not too bad, I suppose. Okay. Um, I've got a, a problem with uh, 12 months ago. I was totally fine, healthy, fit, walking yes. everywhere. I'm yes. 68. Yes. Um, don't drink, don't smoke, eat healthy. Yes got out of bed one morning and couldn't stand up okay um for the muscles in my legs were so painful across my back down both legs across the back of my neck and down both arms to my fingers yes um i've been treated with steroids yes um had a couple of blood tests yes. the doctor was looking for polymyalgia yes, yes. but it's not showing up in the blood uh, test okay been to a specialist at John Hunter who went, yes, you've got polymyalgia, yes. arthritica. Stay on the steroids. Yes. Um, yep. Yep. Decrease yep. them every month. Yes. Decrease them every month. Went off them. Yes. 
two weeks after that woke up with the same thing again. Yes. Look, it sounds as though it is a polymyalgia, so I can understand why the medical people have given you um, the the diagnosis and also the the standard treatment, which is essentially uh, prednisone coming down to low dose coming down to yep. low doses and then challenging that treatment when you reach yep. the bottom. Look, yep. um, it's not an easy condition to treat. I think mm-hmm. I think medical practitioners would tell you that apart from steroids, it's a difficult yep. treatment. Um, yeah. And I might be saying things a bit over the top here, but my experience and observation with this condition is that it seems to burn itself out. Um, in other words given time it's it tends to take itself up and if it means therefore periodic use of of prednisone in the low dose monitored by your gp i I don't see that too offensive however however i do know i do know patients who have helped uh, coming down from the uh, prednisone dosage to a lower dose uh, that's helped them um, how can you call it become less steroid dependent who have, mm. u- who have used the preparation that you've heard me talk about frequently, which is the astragalus 8 formulation. So astragalus, astragalus 8, um, it's, a, it's a preparation that's readily available in our mm-hmm. pharmacies and our health food stores. It's well known. I, mm-hmm. I introduced it into Australia probably 25 years ago. And yep. it, it is essentially used in what might be referred to recovery situations. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had patients... Uh, I'm thinking one particularly from uh, Musselbrook, who uh, who had been confined to bed uh, mm. for, for nine months due to yep. an, an inability to be to be able to walk. I had a university student uh, see me one year at the beginning of the year in February that was helped into my rooms at New Lambton by her mother and you another know, well, that's relative. What, that's what I was like. Well, <laughs> look, what I would say is um, at least give the Astragalus eight a go. Mm-hmm. Uh, under no circumstances do anything without the approval of your GP because yep. he's monitoring you and wanting to help yep. you. But yep. the Astragalus 8, in my opinion, would not a clash with steroid management and may, mm-hmm. in, may in fact, help the, your GP's um, tra- transit and that is to get you to a point where you are less dependent on the 5MGs, maybe much lower, and hopefully getting off it. Yes. Well, I got down to three, so yes. I gradually went down to one yes. and then went off it. Yes. And two weeks later, I was yeah. back to square one uh, again. And the, but uh, I've been told it lasts one to th- can last one to three years. I think that's pretty good. And this is what mm. I said in our discussion, that my observation is that it tends to burn itself out. But I believe, from my experience that uh, the rate of change in the condition, the rate of restoration, if you like, uh, can be helped. Uh, by the use of the astragalus 8. That's been my experience. I'm not saying that in every case that would be so, but I know of patients that have helped themselves get down to that low level, stayed on 1 to 2 MGs for an extended period of time with the astragalus, and then when they have challenged the steroid treatment, they have been able to survive. Dennis, just to wrapping up, uh, we had a call from a, a young lady wanting to know if astragalus okay. needs to be uh, refrigerated. Okay. General response to this question applies to uh, most liquid herbal preparations. Most liquid herbal preparations contain a small amount of ethanol. 
ethanol is the technical name for alcohol. Alcohol is used necessarily in the extraction of the dry herb to get the chemical constituents out of the dried herb and taken into solution. The amount of ethanol that's used to extract a herb is very, very, very small. And so uh, even though it's in liquid medication that we take, the amount that would be ingested in a dose would be very, very small. But fortunately, uh, the amount of ethanol in a liquid herbal medication provides an excellent preservative potential. So the answer to this lady's question not only would apply to a liquid uh, preparation of, of astragalus, but it would apply to most liquid herbs that they don't have to be refrigerated um, they don't go off in a technical sense because they contain a preservative level of ethanol. Having said that, on most labels, and I agree with this, there would be statements to the effect uh, best kept uh, below 30 degrees centigrade. So uh, the answer to this is no, look, it doesn't necessarily need to be refrigerated, but all liquid herbals I advise to be kept in a cool place below 30 degrees centigrade. So well, other than those uh, raging 40-degree days that we get in summer, yes. uh, even though it's got a little bit of alcohol yes. in it, it's really horses for courses. Very much it? so. So it's kind of if you like your beer cold or not, it's up to you. Yeah, and look, I, I, I went home last night and I had a great disappointment. I hope my wife's not listening. Uh, normally I'll have one or two beers at the end of the day and I only ever drink European beers. Now, though I know that sounds very treacherous. Well, you're very upmarket kind of guy, Dennis. So I like, I like a Peroni and a Stella Artois and occasionally Asahi. And I, I got home last night, went into my garden study and uh, sat down and uh, opened a, a bottle of, um, of, I think it was Stella, and I put it to my lips and I was so disappointed, Mark. <laughs> it was warm. It oh. was warm. I thought I was in England. <laughs> yeah, you hadn't had it refrigerated long <laughs> enough. So, in turn, that kind of answers the astragalus question. And I believe we may have Dawn. Good afternoon, Dawn. Or we may have John from Highfields. How are you, John? Who do we have? They've gone home. Dennis, let's uh, move on. We've got uh, Tim at Cooks Hill. Tim, you've got a gout question today. Tim, we've got... We know you're there, Tim. What's happening, Dennis? Everyone was wanting to talk to you. Now they've gone home. Okay, let's try Let's try lucky door number three. I think we've got John there from Highfields. G'day, John. Hello, John. No, it's Wendy, but I'll be John if you want. Oh, well, it's, it's Friday. Wendy, you can be whatever you oh, want. Oh, there what, you go. You've got Dennis Stewart at the moment. What would you like to talk to Dennis about? Oh, hi, Dennis. Hello. Um, <laughs> I've got a psoriasis on my scalp, yes. which I was keeping under control with a, um, a medication from the chemist, but yes. it's kind of got, it's tolerating that now yes. and no longer keeping it under control. I yes. believe it's not curable as such, but what can I do? Okay, look, there are a number of uh, topical things that, um, that are useful. The, presumably the preparation that you've been using would have contained a little bit of pine tar and salicylic acid. Yeah, yeah, um, well, a couple of those. One is more tar than the other, but the tar one smells a lot, but that doesn't matter as long as it does the job. Well, that's right. Um, look, I use a preparation called T-Gel. T-Gel? 
tea gel. Yes, and the, mm. that's a readily available preparation. I think you even get it from supermarkets. Um, okay. And I occasionally, because I work indoors and have done for 40 years sitting under fluorescence, my scalp terribly, it gets terribly dry and sometimes flaky, and that preparation helps. But yeah. um, the one of the best preparations that I ever developed, and in fact it was not just me that developed it, one of my graduate students, dear Robin Kirby, lovely lady, um, left school teaching to go into herbal medicine late in life, and she and I developed quite a lot of uh, herbal products in her home, actually, and in... Um, Carrington Road, Narara, on the central coast. One of the best, one of the best preparations, and you may well be able to get it made for you by a compounding pharmacist. Actually, yeah. uh, is is based on the herb chickweed. Chickweed. Now, if you were to uh, have access to what's called the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia of 1983, oh, I've got several of those copies. Oh, I'm sure you would, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> you don't have any of them, do you? Well, <laughs> it, it, it might surprise you when I say that I have several copies of them uh, scattered here, there and everywhere. Have you signed uh, them, Dennis? Are they, are they signed? Are they signature edition? Well, some you? of them are signed, actually, and I've actually had students. Oh, well, you've got a spare one. Oh, it'll cost you. It'll cost you. No, but if you. My point is, if you read the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, which is the Bible, by the way, of modern herbal medicine, published in... 1983 in Britain, a combination work by British pharmacists, British doctors and British herbalists from the National Institute of Medical Herbalism. You'll find there under the herb um, Stellaria, that's the botanical name for chickweed, the chickweed is the recommended topical application for psoriasis. Okay. So what I suggest, where do you live? Uh, in Madawi. Okay, you've got, uh, is, is Gavin still there? Gavin's gorgeous. I know he's a lovely man. Yeah. Um, give him my regards, by the way. Tell him I re tell him I remember the good teaching nights we used to have in, <laughs> in my rooms at uh, Broadmeadow. He might tell me earthquake. more than I want to know, oh, or you want me to know. He's a very, very competent person. When you find out, when you find out a bit about Dennis, when you give us a call back, I'll get the call. We will, we will expose Dennis Stewart's earlier <laughs> youthful days. It'll cost him a copy of that book. There you go. We're, we're negotiating. Quiet. We, negotiating. Can, we can we can make a deal. Look. Yeah. Talk to Gavin because he would know a lot about chickweed. Okay, I'll do that. Okay. Thanks so much, Thanks. Dennis. Good on you. Ah, bye. Well, we got there. Thank you very much, Wendy. Dennis, who knows where this will the land? You never know. You never, you know. never know. Is there anything... That, well, didn't you say it was International Women's Day? It is. They're naturally drawn to me. <laughs> is there, are there a couple of skeletons <laughs> in the closet that we should worry about with this guy from Madawi? Oh, um, he might have some stories of your younger days? Um, we better not go there. It's a we long time not. ago. All righty, Tim, good afternoon. You've got a gout question for Dennis today. Yes, I have. Hello, uh, how are it's you? About, g'day. It's about rheumatoid gout. Yes. And also I've had um, ascites as well. I still have ascites. Oh, okay. Um, so what's behind the ascites? Is your, uh, your well, liver dysfunctioning? Yeah, I've had um, doctors uh, do uh, blood tests and everything, and it is a bit... It's not working as well as it should. Okay. Okay. So ascites is a pretty serious condition, abdominal fluid retention, and it's usually associated yeah. with some form of organ dysfunction, usually the liver. Have, yeah. just, just as an aside, have you mentioned to your doctor or to your gastroenterologist or to your hepatologist 
the uh, potential use of, of the herb uh, Saliva Marianum, St. Mary's Thistle? No, I haven't. Um, no, I haven't mentioned that. But I've only been taking, taking Alpurinol. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. allopurinol is, is is the primary medication that's prescribed prophylactically or preventatively, preventatively yeah. for gout. But I would, having uh, before I get on to that, I would suggest, as far as your, your liver dysfunction is concerned, certainly do a, uh, Google the uh, the herbs at Mary's Thistle, and, right. and you'll see that it is popularly used in European countries, particularly as an agent to seek to improve liver function. It's worthwhile raising that. It's a very innocuous herb. It has no toxic potential. And, yeah. and it's, again, it's one of those herbs that uh, I had the privilege of, of introducing into Australia um, and I've seen some remarkable benefits from it. But as far as your uh, gout is concerned, is allopurinol holding it for you? Not really. Um, no, it's not really making much of a distance, okay. difference. I still have like bouts swelling in my wrist. Okay. So I get it mainly in my wrist, not yes. in my feet. Okay. Yeah. Look, yeah. Uh, there. With, with this condition, you need again to do a bit of work reading on the therapeutic potential of cherry concentrate. Right now, yeah. uh, that might sound a little bit novel, but you'll yeah. be you'll be a bit overwhelmed when you see how much information there is out there suggesting that a regular uh, daily intake of cherries, particularly a cherry yeah. concentrate. Now, when I talk about a cherry concentrate, I'm talking about an extract of cherry which embodies yeah. in it a large yeah. amount of actual cherry chemistry. Now, um, there are various preparations in the marketplace, uh, Gout Fighter and, and others that have similar names. Yeah. Most of them would be based on cherry extract usually accompanied by celery seed oil. Oh, OK, yeah. Now, I could see no reason why those two preparations, uh, or those that, that preparation that I mentioned, ideally a combination of cherry concentrate and celery seed oil, I could see no reason why that uh, could not be taken with allopurinol. Uh, but again, if you're going to do it, it would be worthwhile... Uh, working uh, with your with your uh, doctor on it, I, I think of recent experiences in treating yep. gout, and I remember treating a, a gentleman a couple of years ago uh, from New Lambton, actually, who uh, uh, virtually stumbled into my rooms with a, a gout condition that was so acute and active, and it yep. had it had defied uh, all medical management that he had been having, and we worked with a combination uh, of cherry extract, celery seed oil, and interesting, uh, interestingly, some minerals, sodium phosphate and silica. His, uh, his overseas trip, fishing trip, had been virtually put off, but he went on, onto that program and he went on his fishing trip. How uh, how how's the will to to get up and go? I mean, you go. Oh, we're going on the fishing trip, so this is going to work. It has to work. Oh, of course, of course. That's well, I mean, it's all in the head. It must be. Oh, let's not say that. But <laughs> if, if only, if only, if only we could just will everything. Away. I think we're going to have to put your uh, your topic on lay-by until next okay. week, Dennis. We might not get uh, to old, it. Old-fashioned remedies will have to wait a little bit longer. We had a uh, another Tim separate to uh, our gout Tim a minute ago. Rang up and said he wants to give you a big thanks, mate, for uh, some recommendations a couple of weeks. back with vitamin C, it worked well with the swelling. Oh, that's good, isn't it? Mm. That's great. Yeah. Thanks for the feedback. So, so just a bit of a recap, if you can, um, vitamin C, how is that going to help with swelling? Well, vit vitamin C is a remedy that works at multiple levels, but um, its benefit 
um, an infection and inflammation uh, frequently reflects itself in a reduction or participating in a reduction in the infection and a reduction, therefore, in the inflammation and, therefore, a reduction in symptoms. Dawn, uh, you're on with Dennis. You've got some questions about Crohn's disease. Hello? Hello, Dawn. Oh, hi, Dennis. Uh, yes, my grandson, uh, 26, yes. has Crohn's disease. Yes. Um, he was on a prednisone yes. for a while but yes. didn't do much for him. But now he's having a cancer treatment. At the Marta, it's yes. something very new, yes. and we don't know much about that. Mm. Uh, do you know anything at all? Well, look, there are a number of medications that are used to address Crohn's disease. Um, if he's being treated um, with this sort of medication, it's reasonable to assume that it's a bit of a breakthrough. Um, yes, it's only new. Well, it's very new and having wonderful results, but... I'm worried about side effects with well, cancer well, look, treatment. Well, now, look, uh, what you have to realise is simply because something is used in the management of, of cancer or any other disease doesn't mean to say that it is fraught with terrible, irreversible problems. Uh, mm -hmm. Even the use of prednisone is problematical if used for too long and indiscriminately. So yeah. I think what we have to do is look at a, at a, at a, a cost-benefit situation here. If your uh, grandson or son's Crohn's disease is being uh, resolved and being well-managed, if there is a bit of a downside associated with the medication, really, uh, at the end of the day... Um, that's the sort of thing that you have to have to wear. It's much better to experience a little bit of a downside, if at all, with the medication rather than see uh, a nasty disease like uh, Crohn's disease become out of control uh, and lead to major surgical intervention. I don't, I don't know the medication itself, but I, I wouldn't panic because you can rest assured that his medical managers would have explained to him the benefits the things to be aware of and they would be monitoring your grandson very very closely as as always is done at that level so if i were you i would rest a little bit i think you're uh, being a little bit anxious about the fact that the medication is used in cancer management many substances are used in cancer management and they're used for a very short period of time but some of them also are used in other diseases effectively I think that I'd be passing on to your grandson the fact that, look, um, you're in good care, it's working for you, um, just relax, down the track, you'll look back on it as an event in your life that perhaps saved your life. Yes, well, thank you, but I do feel better from hearing you, thank you. Well, but, if, if, uh... it's any, if it's any consolation to you, one of my own very, very close uh, relatives... I'll not elaborate on that, had Crohn's disease, was very successfully treated with modern medical treatment and, mm -hmm. and is in remission. Oh, that, that's lovely. Yes. yes, well, it's only a very new thing, yes. this. That, well, that's, that's good. Yeah, that's well, great. after listening, thank you, Dennis. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Some great advice, mm. and we covered just about everything but the kitchen sink, but you did get a bit of uh, warm beer in there somehow. I noticed that the board <laughs> lit up. 
after we mentioned that, I think there might have been something in that that, uh, that stimulated people's interest in the program. Do you know what it is? It's almost the weekend. <laughs> it's almost the weekend. <laughs> As I always say, I get into weekend mode when I see you and Sally come oh, in the door. Do you really? like, yeah, that's now the weekend. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, we've got about 20 seconds, mate, so we didn't get to the topic today. Yeah. Old fashioned medicine well, look, we'll remedies. We'll take it up again next week. It's something that I really want to share with listeners the way in which the old fashioned remedies, still latent in pharmacy, believe it or not. Uh, still work and I want to next week look at a few of those remedies which good pharmacists can still manufacture for us uh, and get good results with these remedies they've always given good results let's not forget the old-fashioned remedies that are still in our pharmacies and not a bad way to end Dennis we'll talk to you next Friday afternoon thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle topics range from gardening to health well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.